Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I am your host, current New Jersey Devils defenseman, Connor Carrick. Uh, Thank you for joining us today, wherever you are in the world, alongside my guest, Dr. Charlie Weingroff. Uh, Charlie is a highly sought after, uh, I call him physical therapist because it's the easiest word available, but he stepped out of physical therapy school and into the NBA, uh, consulting with uh, pro sport at the age of 22. Uh, he has a powerlifting background. He has squatted over 800 pounds in official uh, competition. He was with the Marine Corps Special Operations Command as a therapist with them. Uh, he was a part of the Nike Executive Performance Console, uh, and he is currently uh, one of the leaders of, of sports science, the sports science program behind Team Canada Olympic Basketball. So he is uh, really a person and a professional that a lot of professional athletes will uh, seek if, if having any issues. Uh, he is a wide-ranging individual. We get into his love for Disney today, uh, his well-rounded uh, sense of passion for life, his professionalism uh, really comes through in our talk today. Uh, thank you to Charlie for joining us, and thank you, our listener. I guess today, I think it's a really cool time to talk because we're kind of coming out of this quarantine, which has been like totally unparalleled um, circumstance for a lot of athletes, amateur. I get a lot of amateurs that listen, you know, for on all my social media channels, like, hey, Connor, what workout should I do? And generally, I can point them in the right direction on, you know, who to follow to educate. Hey, follow Charlie Weingroff. (laughs) He's posted cool, uh, you know, uh, information, you know, to, to start. But I also think you've been around a lot of really high-performing systems, everything from, you know, your time with the Marine Corps to working at Nike to Team Canada Olympics. Um, I think that you, number one, I want to know a lot more about you because I don't know much of your past, you know, just from uh, we've only met a handful of times, you know, as a, as a client when we were treating, you know, out in New York. Um, but, you know, let's start with just the origin story, really. You know, Charlie, I know you... Uh, you know, went to physical therapy school, stepped in the NBA at an early age. Uh, you end up going back down to the minor leagues. I don't know much about that story. I was just kind of reading up on your website. And then you, you do eventually get back to the NBA. I think you're an interesting figure to talk to about training as you yourself are built like a brick shit house. you know, having squatted, you know, as much as you have. And, and you know, you're, you're kind of a, a legend that way. And then your time with the Marine Corps, I view you as, as number one, the, one of the first guys I call if I have any hip, shoulder, abdominal, any issue, you know, on the East coast when I, when I need help. Uh, but you're kind of seem to me like one of the coaches coach, uh, you kind of consult to the consultants, um, and you're, you're really high end at your craft. And I know we've, you've proven that to me, just, you know, I'm kind of a nerd for the stuff and try to find and work with the best people that I can, you know, I can afford and find. Um, but what was your origin story into physical therapy, um, you know, as you were coming out of college, what was kind of the start of your career to where you are now today? Yeah, you know, I, I actually never had it in my head to have the degree of physical therapy. Uh, it, it doesn't, uh, when I was coming up, I was probably just like everybody else that played sport. And you, you know, at some point, the, the large percentage of us do not get the opportunity to play uh, at, the, at, the, at the professional levels uh, as adults. And I always just wanted to be in sports. So 
I my my game plan was to become an athletic trainer, which you know, in my mind is very similar to physical therapist. I think we all know that you know, yeah, the the way the way certain roles are are in cultures are cultivated, physical therapists and athletic trainers are are very very different. Uh but the baseline education in for me because I could say it, I went through both they're not terribly different for treating orthopedic and, and athletic injuries. Now, an athletic trainer has no, you know, basis to be dealing with folks that have medical illnesses or strokes or, or things like that. Uh, but when so when I when I met my advisor after the first year of of undergrad, she said you can do everything you want to do because my game plan was to go get a master's or a PhD and be an athletic trainer probably at the college level. She said, just, just go to physical therapy school instead because you have the grades to do it. And if you never, ever want to be a physical therapist in a traditional sense, you'll probably be more competitive uh, for the athletic training positions that you want. And what's very interesting is that what happened was I went to physical therapy school and I was very competitive for the athletic training positions that I wanted. Pretty much... Every job initially, probably all the way up to, to, to the opportunity I got at MARSOC, Marine Corps Special Operations Command, it, it, I, I don't know that I would have gotten as far in the process or even gotten the role if I wasn't a physical therapist. And the reality is that probably only for a very few years since I finished PT school in 1999, I want to say I probably only had like a what you would consider like a nine to five as a physical therapist, maybe a year and a half, if mm-hmm. that, uh, because I was always able to demonstrate, even if I was working for someone else, I was always able to demonstrate that my skill set was worth something to give me a unique setup, even if it was in the private sector. And even to that end, it was probably only three years where... Yeah, I'm I'm subtracting all the time in basketball. I'm subtracting all the time in the Marine Corps, and I'm certainly subtracting everything from now because a lot of people don't know. There, there are people at all levels that have no idea that I'm a physical therapist because they they see a lot of the messages or the things that that I do that you mentioned before yeah, yeah. Uh, are are all more uh, fitness or or training related. And then there's the other way. There's people that have no they they have no idea that like oh you train people too. I'm like, okay, like, you know, it, it, they, they only know me as a, as a physical therapist. And, and, I, and I probably break a lot of the advice and rules that I give to others where you can't be good at everything. And I'll say, you know, right in front of the camera, I'm not good at everything. Uh, I, I do find that because I've been able to either make or be a part of different situations uh, I've been able to spend significant periods of time only doing one, uh, whether it be fitness, whether it be data analytics, which is the lowest end of of maybe something that I uh, and I don't even really put myself in that category. But but I do feel like as a therapist or a coach, I actually know what to do when the scientist, the, the sports scientists give us that information. So um, that's that's kind of the educational Piece, but I wouldn't have this um, uh, pedigree, if you will, which I'll let other people decide, not me, 
if I wasn't uh, a physical therapist, if I didn't go to physical therapy school, I, I, I would not. There's no way I would have gotten these opportunities because a lot of them were only because I got found uh, through, through a physical therapy setting or the actual job description required uh, a physical therapy, even though that's not what it was. That's not what the job was. Yeah. So that's uh, I'm certainly glad I I went that route and and God's honest physical therapy school was probably easier than high school for me it was it was <laughs> it was it was not uh, terribly uh, not terribly challenging uh, from um, an academic standpoint uh, so yeah that's uh, that's kind of that piece in terms of of how uh, I found physical therapy Doctor Doctor Tina Whalegum was her name and uh, that was my advisor. And if she didn't get up in me to uh, try physical therapy school, I would not have, it was never on my radar. It was never something to consider. Well, and so you, you, you know, graduate from physical therapy school, which maybe for your goals at the time, you know, you were on your way to becoming overly educated and, and over-prepared on purpose. So, you know, good for your you know advisor at the time on helping you, but what was the um, transition? You do walk into the MBA, um, and then eventually do go to Marsoc. What was, you know, what were some of your key initial learning points with the NBA? And I know you're back in basketball now, so we can talk about, you know, what Charlie Weingroff is coaching and teaching and treating, uh, you know, now versus then. And then, you know, kind of that middle bit where, you know, how did you land the role uh, with Marsoc? And, you know, where were um, some of your greatest transition points as a, as a, you know, care provider where you really started to take your step, your stuff to next level. Cause I've seen, I've seen lots of people, you know, that, you know, touch my body. It's, it's my asset. I'm always trying to, uh, you know, unlock whatever key to better performance I can. There's a lot of people out there with physical therapy degrees, but it's clear that you have this commitment to ongoing experience and education that has, you know, launched you into the realm you're at now. Well, to, to address the, the, the last part, there's a couple things uh, that that I am I'm okay saying about, or if someone has a nice compliment for me like that, uh, I'll be like, yeah, that that's that's true. I I don't the uh, there there's a and maybe we'll talk about it at some point. Um, as you know, uh, and most people know, I'm I'm a, a very big professional wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Uh, We'll talk about the other thing that I know is the other you know, hashtag, which isn't my hashtag, but uh, the, the Vince, Vince McMahon, who obviously owns WWE and blah, 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 he, he's, he's an eccentric cat and, and, and very interesting character. He has a line that said, uh, I am better than no man, but I have never met a man better than me. Now, I'm not, that's his line, not mine, but I, I what, it, whether it's, you know, we all just saw the, the Michael Jordan uh, um, documentary uh, or whoever it is in hockey or, or whoever, you know, like the, the, these people that, that are very flattered and, and, and continue to get accolades, but they just never stop. Like, I, I, I absolutely have every intention. There's no championship belt for being recognized in what I do uh, other than perhaps having a very happy life, however somebody defines that. But but I, I don't. I don't know how to stop. I don't know what, what, what my parents put in the, in the cereal when I was little, but I, I have no way of understanding how it's cool to be, you know, second best. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm second best a lot. I'm third, fifth, 35th. I finished last a lot. Uh, but but, but, I'm, but there's, there's no, it's never okay. And, and when you say, like, I'm trying to learn more, I don't know anybody 
that that uh, has been around 20 plus years now, like I have, even though I kind of, you know, I carry myself juvenile and I probably started a little early. I got out of the blocks at a young age uh, in terms of when I became uh, in the professional space. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it is that because there's no there's no there's no thing that I think about. It's just that I have to do this. Like, I have to know this information because I'll be able to be better, you know, for this person. And if I'm better for that person, or like when you say I'm, I, I certainly have a, a big role in the train the trainer space in terms of being a consultant and an educator. Um, if, if I can help them, then I help all their people. And I can't imagine there being a more special um, thing like you know, for instance, if I help you and and you you do something very very special for your team, like I kind of almost feel a part of the 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 you know the the success of all those guys and, and people part of the organization, even though I'm not. You know, it, it's just what drives me to be part of something just bigger than than just me. Uh, and 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 but in order to I I think in order to be bigger than than just yourself, you have to make yourself. This machine, this monster, you know, like where people don't even understand where I don't know how much of it's true because I never really was around uh, Jordan, um, you know, or, or some of the players that I work with now, like, you know, what, what they're really like, because you never know, like, unless, you know, unless you're there, as you well know, being in pro sports, what the media says is, is quite ridiculous. Um, but um, yeah, that, that part is, is part and parcel. Uh, and, and uh I can't, I don't know how to, to slow down in terms of, you know, I don't, I don't ever want mediocre to be a magnet and, and uh, I, I, I keep pushing it off, pushing it off. And, and I, so I, I definitely continue to learn in, in as many different ways as possible. I probably don't take, and, and I think it's part of where I'm at in terms of my uh, evolution, where I'm being forced to, to change. Um, I remember there was years I probably took you know, where I got on a plane and I gave up a whole, you know, three, four, sometimes six, seven days, uh, probably one once a month for about two or three years to take these seminars where I was paying for it or I was very privileged that my workplace paid for a significant part of that. Now, I definitely do that, don't do that as much anymore. And there's a number of reasons why. Just my life is just different. I, I can't uh, I can't afford to to do something like that. And then the, the course suck. Uh, or, or I get angry uh, because the way the courses, the courses are just different, you know, when we, and that's why I don't even teach that much anymore because I don't think what people want to learn is really what was available uh, se several years ago. But um, so that was probably always in me. Now, when you say I walked into the NBA, the, the story is I was working in minor league basketball as an mm -hmm. athletic trainer and I got that role. There's a convoluted outliers story where like I could tell you it but it's it cannot be reproduced you know it's 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 just uh, I was in the right place at the right time and uh, one of the assistant coaches was it, this this team was in New Jersey where where I grew up uh, the same you know one of the counties that I was in and he was with the New Jersey Nets several years ago and his name was Clifford Ray he was 1975 rookie of the year in Golden State and uh, he, he was an assistant coach for Butch Beard, who was the head coach for the Nets, you know, probably. So now we're talking middle 90s, middle, late 90s. And uh, I said, hey, Cliff, what, was um, when you were with Coach Butch's staff, is the athletic trainer the same guy? Maybe you can, uh, yeah, I kind of like this basketball thing. 
because I always was either going to go in football, uh, military, or be a pediatric physical therapist. You know, 20 years later, check, check, check. But anyway, um, he's like, yeah, his name's Teddy. Call him. Drop my name. See see what happens. Like, you you have nothing to lose. Uh, And so I called him. I dropped his name. I believe I called on a Thursday. I went up to East Rutherford where the Nets were were located at that time. I interviewed or kind of met Ted. And Sunday I was in the NBA. Uh, as as his assistant. Now that year, it, it probably was more of an intern role. Where even though I was never called an intern because I wasn't, I didn't travel, and and I would have to be asked to come up during the year. Now, I bet I went back to the minor league, same team in in Central New Jersey. That uh, so that would have been now the the. So I was with the team the entire like October, November. But then once the season started. I wasn't around. So in the summer, uh, I got a phone call from one of the ops guys. His name was Ian, Ian Rubel. We're driving over the outer bridge crossing, which is the bridge from New Jersey into Long Island, uh, into Staten Island. And, you know, of course, when you're in the minor leagues, and I'm sure it's like this in hockey, when you're staff, like you're driving the van, like you're, you know, they always say, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, oh man, we got to. Yo, you don't know what it's like. We in the minor leagues, we 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 travel in vans. I'm like, if you're a stud player, you get an entire row of a 15 passenger van. Like I, I'm driving at 3 a.m. in the morning after being the team mother uh, for the whole thing. And Ian, Ian said, hey, John Nash uh, wants to know if you're available to come in tomorrow. We just fired Teddy. I'm like. Now I'm literally in the middle of a bridge, <laughs> and I'm driving this 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 15 passenger van, and I'm like, uh. Yeah, I'll be there. What time? And I had to cancel people. Um, I just made a business decision as a 22-year-old. And um, I, on my resume, I put interim head athletic trainer because I was the only medical person there as we prepared for the draft uh, that, that summer, which was the summer of 2000. And a lot of the coaches were still the same. We got a new GM. John Nash was still there, but that's when Rob Thorne took over. And, you know, I was still chuck wagon. And when somebody needed something or the phone rang, that was that was me. Now, there was because it was the off season, there wasn't a lot of doing, uh, but it was more organization. And that was the year the Nets drafted Kenyon Martin. And, and man, he was coming off a big injury at the University of Cincinnati. So I guess we can talk about it now. He um, he, he didn't work out like he was so out of shape. He couldn't even you know run run full court. So there was this big talk, yeah, and Rod Thorne was like saying, okay, obviously you guys really don't talk to the media, but let's say the, the company line is that Kenyon was here, but, uh, but he didn't work out. And because they were still trying to leverage, do they trade out of that pick or whatever. So obviously Kenyon was fantastic for the Nets for a long time. And I happened to be on the receiving end of that because after I left the Nets, I went to the minor leagues for three years. And that was around the same time that now you know it as the G League, but back then it was called the D League. It was called the NBDL, the Development League. And I went to Columbus, Georgia, and uh, I was there. And then um, that was an entire experience living in the Deep South, uh, which was very interesting. And uh, then then got back to the Sixers as the assistant athletic trainer. Now it's uh, you know full full thing, and. Uh, Played the Nets many times and saw a lot of the people that I used to used to work with uh, when I was with the Sixers. So the first year with the Sixers, I was assistant athletic trainer, and there was no strength and conditioning coach, which 
at that time wasn't the weirdest thing. The NBA was, you know, I think all sports, you know, probably have different cultural things that if people aren't aware of, they, they're very shocked. It wasn't that, that strange a thing to not have a strength coach in the NBA, even at that time. And uh, they outsourced to these punks. They were terrible. Like they, you know, like some local place, like this minor league deal, like they played, mm-hmm. paid a sponsor, just terrible stuff. Um, horrible, horrible stuff. So, so I would, I never like crossed any boundaries because look, I'm, I'm still in my middle twenties. I'm not trying to, you know, and, and you know, do anything that's going to jeopardize this second chance. Oh my god! Like I'm, you know. Uh, anyway, I uh, I do think <laughs> the biggest reason was how I look, which I think I'm fair to say that if you eyeball me, you you, you might have a good idea that I know what to do with dumbbells in my hand or whatever. So the players would very, very often, especially uh, on the road, hey, yo, Chuck Wagon, come here and put me through one, uh, 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 which would mean like a workout, you know, because they're, they, I obviously know what to do in the weight room. I really didn't have a perspective of athletic performance. I knew how to lift and I knew what good form was. And at that point, I was probably not rolling uh, as a competitive power lifter, but I was, I was climbing the ladder and, and I was strong. And I was also much heavier then than I am now, which you, you've seen me, um, which might be surprising. But yeah, I, I probably was at five foot nothing. Got, I've probably been as high as like 215 or 216 around that time. So then the second year, I became the head strength and conditioning coach. So you're asking me about these perhaps watermark uh, time periods. That summer, I dug in and I, I got exposed to as much athletic development that I possibly could. And I just picked a couple things because I do believe that's how you do it. You just got to pick something. Like, does it, does it look like that model uh, can breed what I want? Yes? Well, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it the exact way that they do it. I'm not going to try to make it my own yet. And, and I did that. And some of those people that I remember at some of the seminars and books that I read to, to this day not because I knew them in 2003, but I, I call them like my older brothers now. Like it, it's, it's, uh, it's very special that I, I was that student listening to them up there. And now people look at me like that. And I look at them uh, the same way that, uh, that, that, they, uh, that I looked at them. So that kind of put me on the track. Now, you do know this, and I don't know if folks listening know, at the professional level, in season, Strength and conditioning is not about jumping higher and, and running faster. Uh, it might be about putting on weight for certain people, but it's really not this intense fitness uh, environment. It's using those types of methods to make sure as many players are as close to 100% as often as possible. You're kind of more of this physical therapist that knows how to deal with weights, Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and I really started to, after the stuff that I learned that summer, I started to, to realize that what I could do as a physical therapist from a technique standpoint, I could apply to keep these guys healthy. And it wasn't like we weren't lifting weights. It was that we were doing things and I had a perspective. I think it's like it's in my DNA as a healthcare provider to keep people healthy. And it was no secret that some of the names that I was following as educators had the same philosophies because I took, I took everything from them. Uh, 
and and we did very well. We did very very well. So I think in in uh, in oh, I can't believe it's this long, but oh five oh six, which would have been my third year in Philadelphia, we were number one in games missed, uh, meaning we were the best in the league in terms of injuries. We had the least amount of player games. Now, there's a lot of different ways to look at player games. I don't remember out of that list how many were non-contact or anything, but no one was even close to us. And I also remember that, like, well, it's the NBA, so maybe, you know, you have, well, look, Allen played, and Chris Webber played 78 games out of 82, uh, which was the most he's ever played in his career, tied. I think what, first or second year he played 78. Oh, well, that must have been a free agent year. No, he still had two years, $44 million left on his, on his contract. So whatever we were doing, which I, a lot of it I had no idea of at the time in terms of creating connections with people, because uh, they obviously had to do what I was asking, there was a lot of things that started to breed some very, very significant confidence. And I am not embarrassed to say that while I have never been given this direct feedback, I'd be an idiot to think that maybe the confidence bothered other people. And maybe that's why I didn't get a new contract um, after that year. And I, no one's ever told me that, but we talk about it and be like, well, hey, I, I must have done something because I'm 20 something years old. I'm not even getting paid 100 grand, which again, if people aren't listening is, is you know, that would have been a very normal salary for being in a big city for that role. And, and I got banged and, and they didn't even replace me. They went back to these clowns that were this outsource, like this minor league deal, like this local place that was just awful uh, because it was even less expensive than what I was getting paid. So uh, at that point, uh, I, I had this, this thing in my head that I'm not a physical therapist, I'm not a strength coach, but, but, I can, but I'm both, but I'm neither. And, and, would, and then I can, I can take my hat forwards and I can turn it backwards. And I, I came back home and I worked for the hospital that I did one of my residencies during PT school because they were always trying to get me to come back because the fellow named Brian Mason, who, who was the director there, he always had this vision of, of getting like this annex to the hospital. So I didn't work in the hospital. They, they gave me like these, these outreach places where they would cater to athletic people, you know, active people. And, and I'm like, dude, I can see anybody. They just have to follow the plan. And, and, and they would like, if you walked in, you'd be like, am I in the right place? This looks like a gym. Like, yeah. Or like the kids would say, <laughs> yeah, like I go to a physical therapy place and it's like physical therapy on steroids. And I, and I started to develop a lot of the messages that are you know, part of my commercial message where, you know, if you have a sprained ankle, why can't you do pull-ups and bench press? Uh, if you're in a sling, why can't you walk up the treadmill at a very high, you know, pay, you know it started, like, how do we change, how do we, we engage in fitness and therapy at the same time? And, and that was during the period where I would still really engage in a lot. So maybe two months I'd take therapy course and then it would be a fitness course and then it'd be training. And, and um, that culminated in, because I was working for a hospital, that's like corporate America and corporate America is boxed. They like once you once you like outgrow the box, it becomes really not a healthy situation. And really what I'm alluding to is that I knew how much revenue I was generating in this very unique product that hospitals or anywhere doesn't have. Where can you go to train three times a week 
uh, with awesome equipment, competent coaching, and use your insurance because they figured out a way to do that. And, and, and it was completely above board and legal because physical therapy is injury prevention. It's cardiovascular fitness. It's, it's all these things. Anyway, they wouldn't pay me more. So I started looking. Now, during that period of time, I always thought it was going to be going back to the NBA. And I don't think anybody would have thought that, you know, three years later, I wouldn't be in the NBA. Um, it's now... 13 years later, and I'm not back in the NBA, which is okay, which is okay. Uh, and, and I've consulted for dozens of teams, and, and I'd probably have to take a significant pay cut to go back to the NBA. But uh, that's when, the, that's when um, I kind of kept the radar up for whatever the next cool thing, because I don't think I was in an age yet, nor was I at a stage in my life where my job didn't define me. I still was incomplete as a person if I didn't have a job that was cool in the eyes of others. I wasn't there yet. I wasn't there. And looking back, like the story is probably really cool and maybe even motivating. But for me, I still needed uh, on my logo, I needed something that says I'm validated. And that job became something, uh, uh, um, what was the fucking title? Um, something, <laughs> you know, director of physical something with, uh, the United States Marine Corps special operations command. All right. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, sounds so, badass. <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, it was, it was, it was look every, every minute that goes by, it, it became a today, today, uh, 10 years later, it becomes a better experience. But when I was there, it, it wasn't it wasn't what I had signed up for. It, it there was a, so many great things. I don't I don't think yeah, you can't really see the way the camera is, but I left I left there with something and I can maybe turn the camera if you think it's cool, but um it was not a good experience uh from a social level. They didn't want me. Uh the I was I got very, very close to the to the commanding general, which is not a good thing because then you're like if you're the it'd be like if you were boys with the head coach. Like anything you do, people have their eyes yeah, on you. We know you. those. And um, I didn't do it intentionally. I wasn't like kissing his ass. It was because it was his program. He had coached at Penn State football many years ago. This was his idea to have these civilians come in that had a lot of pedigree. Here's the problem. I was the only one that had professional sports experience. And there was only one other individual that had worked in Division One. These were just random people because the after he commissioned the program, things just were just people just did whatever they wanted to do because ah, yeah, I'm a Marine. Like, I don't need some you know, civilian coming in and telling me what to do. And nobody told me that because I never would have accepted the, uh, the, the role. And one day when uh, let's just say I took a mental health day when I walked out, um, the my 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 desk had a had a fist mark in it because uh, I, I said, man, I wish somebody would have told me this before I moved uh, halfway across the country. But as I was alluding to before, it finished okay because there was significant people that I still communicate with today, incredible men and women, and I left with uh, what 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 is uh, called a tip of the spear award, which I'm pretty sure a lot of the a lot of civilians don't get. And um, let me see if I there you, you do go. whatever can, you want. There you go. Can, can you yeah, see, see it? it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's Up not a real. Yeah. 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 So in in special operations, the the spade, the, the, the tip of the spear, that, that's the uh, one that that's kind of the mantra that if you're at that level, that's where you are. 
And there was one conversation that I would, because I looked at the general as a mentor, and it hurts me so much that he won't talk to me. And it's probably, you know, because I don't know why. I don't know why. I, there's, you know, people, you know, they ask these corny questions like, who would you want to have dinner with? Major General Paul Lefevre. Uh, he owes me a chat. Uh, because he left me, he you know, he he said, "Don't worry, I uh, it's my decision. I, I I run all this." And he told me once that Charlie, the problem is, is that you you look like us, you act like us, you talk like us, but you're not one of us. And and I wanted to be like, why why did you bring me here? Like why did you you know what? And 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 it's because in in, in the Marine Corps, there's so many layers. You know, one of the one of the words, and I'm sure it's used in sports. It's like you're in the weeds. You know, that comes from the military. You know, in in certain uh, destinations where you're the guys that are at the front line are crawling in the weeds to use the weeds as cover. And even though he wanted it, I'm like, I'm following instructions. I'm trying to build something, and and they just didn't want it. Now that was why it sucked during. And look, there's a whole lot of more specifics that aren't important. The, the what what is most important is that. That 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 it, I am such a better human being because after that I didn't need validation anymore to have a really cool job. I didn't need to be at Marsoc to have a badass job. I didn't need to work in sport. I'll tell you this, and you know, I think we did have this conversation. I think I was gone from Marsoc for a month. Nah, it was two months because if it was one month, I would have two cups. I would have two of those things that all you guys. Uh, uh, are it is your dream to to hold that thing and, and walk around uh, skate around the the rink? I got a phone call because remember I was in Philly and yep. the fly the Flyers and the, and the Sixers are very very close in terms of you know the, their their pyramidal they were owned by the same system Comcast and all those dudes from the Flyers as you know I think they probably still are is the front office at the L A Kings yep and and you know I. Uh, I was working I in Boston teaching a seminar and whoever the GM was, it wasn't Hextall. It was somebody else. I don't remember his name. I'm sure if you rattle him off, it'll be like, yeah, it was him. He's Dean like, what? yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Which, uh, you know, he, he, um, he, he said, cause they, they were stuck. They didn't have a strength coach. We went through some things. I got, I had, a, I had a couple people that were, you know, NHL strength coaches that I used as references. And, um, you know, we came to a number and, and he's like, well, can you, and, and, and the truth is, um, he, he did remind me that I would have become the highest paid strength coach in the NHL. And I'm like, okay, like, all right, well, whatever. Um, you know, you're living in LA. It wasn't like LA, you know, like you can yeah, be comfortable yeah, yeah, even, yeah. even at a very significant number that I don't want to even say. So people don't feel uncomfortable or, or at all disrespected. I was in Boston and on a Sunday, he's like, well, can we divert your flight? Can we, can you come out here right now? And I'm like, and it versus remember I'm on the outer bridge crossing thinking of like something very, very similar is happening. I'm like, all right, this is it. But, but I had, I had some things that started to turn over at that point, even one month where I started to work in New York city. I started to, to get on a teaching circuit. You know, I started to, to have this new life and, uh, I, t I turned it down. It turns out, as, as I alluded to before, several other really, really good people turned it down until the fellow who is there now, who I believe is a very, very competent coach, he got two Stanley Cups. Two. Not, not one, two. And, uh, and I think he, he, there was a lot of, I mean, I know, I'm not going to say who, how many, because I do know the answer, 
Because, but I know I was asked by Dean Lombardi, can we bring you out here right now? He asked me, can you still skate? Because I, yeah, I, I played yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I played hockey in high school. Um, I was a much better baseball player. Uh, and, and, and Matt, so that was another watershed where I got a chance to get that logo again. And I didn't take it. And now um, I, I'm able to do things. I mean, I've consulted for, I mean, every in English Premier League even you know we talk about before we went on unless we unless we were live and you didn't tell me talking about China no, and, no and, we wouldn't pull that on you yeah no no hey that's sometimes that's the best stuff when you do these podcasts um I got every logo there is now and and I and I have a, a an annual pass for Disney and and I and I live with my my I live with my beautiful wife like like I have I have so much because I got yeah, I don't know who's listening. I don't want to say bad words. I had so much disappointment of, you know, in the past. And when people say that, oh, don't worry, everything happens for a reason, or don't worry, like things will work out. The thing is, is that they're right. <laughs> it does. Now, they leave out the part that it sucks while it's happening. <laughs> and they leave out the part that you have no idea how long that sucktitude lasts until the next cool thing happens. You don't get access to that information. No, and, and obviously it's different for everybody. But the reality is, you, know, you asked for some of those watershed remarks, and there clearly was a clinical piece, but it was the confidence that, that I started to grow in the MBA of, and this methodology that a lot of people like to think they do. I, I don't think, I don't know. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on some different shit, put it that way. You know, I can't, I can't explain it sometimes. It doesn't make me better. Remember the Vince McMahon line, I am better than no man. I just don't know a lot of people. You know, one of the flattering comments is like, Charlie, there's very few conversations that you can't be at the table. And I'm like, well, I could probably think of some, but I'm very thankful for that. You know, some of those things. Or Charlie, you have, you have more peripheral vision, you know, than, than a lot of other people in our profession. Um, and, and all of that started... When um, when when I was in Philly, where I worked for like four coaches, but Kevin Johnson was the head athletic trainer. So remember, I was his assistant before I was a strength coach. The leash that he gave me, and 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 I also say, you know, I, I I left, man. He didn't he didn't he didn't keep me there. You know, like he could have done something, and I don't mind saying that because we're men. And I know I he saw me speak for the first time, and and I was so glad. You, know, you see, I mean, get emotional. He came to a conference. I had no idea he was going to be there. And I went up to him and I gave him this hug. And it's like, dude, I'm so thankful you're here. Like, and, and, and when you look at all these terrible disappointments that I had, and I, here, I'm the kid with the silver spoon in my mouth. I'm in the NBA at 22, head athletic trainer at 23, you know, and, and Marine Corps, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and uh, you know, to be able to, to not require those things, to, to have a fulfilled life. And then, then things have just. Um, I still, I still have some uh, huge disappointments uh, since then, but I'm cool with it because, like, I kind of know, and I kind of feel like, yes, that that wall better move because I'm going right through it because I am, I, I'm very, I can get angry very, very quickly, but I know that the other side is is going to be okay because it's happened enough. Like, you know, it, it, it's 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 okay. So. Those were some watershed things that, um, you know, that, that I think in the timeline of my career that, that both uh, clinically but also very socially uh, crucial to me. I mean, you know, kudos to you because, you know, I relate 
you know, so closely to, it's almost like you, you, you have this hunger for professional competence. You have this uh, hunger for education in my, you know, line of work, it's athletic growth and, and career advancement. Um, and, you know, there's this discussion, you know, I, I, maybe in society at large about, um, what is, you know, happiness, what is fulfillment, what is hunger? And, you know, I think that it's been really cool to hear you explain your relationship with your inner fire and how it's both been the fuel that has, you know, allowed for your ongoing education has allowed for you to continue to push past these disappointing moments in your career. Um, and now you're at a place where it sounds like you're cool with the downside of that is, which is you're going to be disappointed sometimes when, you know, things don't go your way because you are so motivated because you are so education forward because you are so growth minded. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. But what I've also been mentored to, 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 to build is a parachute. And, and, and so when you do fall, the bigger your parachute, or like right now we talk about, you know, those of us that do work for ourselves in this time period where you can't make people buy your product, whether it's allowed or not, uh, you have a runway, meaning you save money or you're, you have other opportunities to, to, to do things. And when you have the right parachute, you can only do that when you make lists of the things that are important to you. And, and that's been, it's not only my motivation to, to, to be the best, but rather uh, also the, the, that I have, like I, when I say I save for a rainy day, I don't mean just save money. I mean, like you save emotion, you know, for a rainy day mm -hmm. so that when it does rain, you don't get gloomy. And, and that has the only way to do that. Now, functionally, you have to kind of enumerate. And I actually have a model to help people uh, enumerate those things. It's called the 151 and one rule. But, but you have to fail in order to be motivated to get into something like that. It, it, uh, in terms of if you, if you never fail, like, how do you know, how do you change? And that's when you look at people that work in our profession for the team for a long time, guys that, that have 20, 30, 40 years uh, experience at the, at the team level. And then they get whacked and then they get sacked and they have nothing. They have, they, cause the logo was everything to them and they were never, you know, they, they never did anything to build a parachute. And we know people like this. And, and, you know, the, you know, sometimes they're dinosaurs as coaches and trainers, like they never grow, like they never learn new things. Like, wow, I need to learn new things. You know, oh, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. You know, like, well, sometimes being a great guy isn't enough when the coach comes in and brings it, your own guy. So you have to fail. And if you don't fail, you're never compelled to build that social parachute. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud to. And, and then I've also modeled it to, to try to, to, to help others. I'm ne not nearly as, as vocal and prolific at communicating that social stuff because I'm just some dude. You know, yeah, I probably can talk about training and rehab and I got a little bit of, of cachet, uh, but I don't, I don't always talk about the other stuff because I guess it's, I'm not as confident in that because it's more like what makes him so special? Well, I failed a lot. And I talk about my failures. Now, I didn't talk about every single failure uh, in, in our talk here, uh, but, but I'm, I'm very open about my failures. And uh, I think when you, look, when you listen to people that are supposed to have this self-help or motivating message, I would ask you to consider how many of them tell you what they, how they failed.
you know, I love listening to Gary Vee. I love people that yell and scream. I I'm love a rep- Gary Vee. I, I'm a wrestler. I love I love the yelling thing. I love the the the, the energy. How many times has Gary Vee told you a story about how he failed? Zero. If people now, I don't know that he hasn't failed, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how he failed. But if somebody never fails, all they're doing is telling you they're winning lottery numbers. There's nothing to learn. There's nothing to learn from somebody who never fails. So I use that as an example because I don't think you know. Have you ever heard him talk about like failures? No, he always talks about what you should do. No, I'm trying to get him on the podcast so I can get him. Well, ask him. Ask him. Tell him I called him out. Tell him I called him out. You know, I like I think you I'll know, send what, it to him. Yeah, like like what? No, no. I don't want. Don't don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me anything about what I should do. Tell me how you failed, and tell me how you cultivated those awesome, powerful, brilliant messages. Because I don't question the brilliance in the message. I question yeah, how you got there, unless you can talk about your failures uh, with with just as much alacrity and just as much confidence as you talk about your successes. So that's the, uh, that, that to me, I'm proud of. Let's get into that. Cause I, I think you could tell there, there, you're such a man of, of intense value. Every time we've worked together, I've left, you know, very clear how focused, you know, Charlie Weingroff is in his work. I've, I, you could tell there's a deep sense of care. You really are uh, ambitious to help me help my team. We, it's something that you know, we've talked about what is this uh, 151 in one role? Because I want to know. Oh, okay, um, okay. What, what more about that? Yeah, I. Um, so there's always a backstory, you know. Like, and and I, I've always been coached tell stories, tell stories. I. Um, uh, I had an awful interview uh, for a director position, and uh, I talked to somebody. Who I don't want to say because I don't I don't want I don't know that they want to be a part of of my message, um, and I'm like, how do you, uh, how do you? Because he, he also he wasn't surprised that um, I got revved up and and probably presented myself in a very negative way, and he's like, I don't get upset at those things because I just feel this is him talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I want nothing. And I need nothing. And he was obviously very schooled and influenced by the traditional Zen model, which is I want nothing and I need nothing. That's the pursuit of whatever Zen form of happiness or, or growth. And, and I, I kind of kept that in my head because that's not, you know, it's not how I felt at that moment. But I was talking to him as a friend and, and, a, and as a, a mentor to, to help me not be so mad at this ridiculously disgraceful interview one of the most unprofessional things that that uh yeah the the organization interviewed many many people and they recorded which you gave them permission to record it and then they already knew who they want it turned out that they already knew who they wanted to hire and and because he was a doofus they showed him every interview of of all the people that they had considered a finalist i'm like how that that's all true now i'm not gonna say who it is yeah because yeah uh, but that's all very very true and 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 i didn't know that at the time but they were just it was just awful so so remember want nothing and need nothing then uh uh, another another time i was sitting up on a board you know like yeah you're all not a board like um QA and a with all the speakers at a conference and somebody asked like how do you guys all uh, uh how do you guys 
uh, balance all of your travel and family and whatever. And, and one of the fellows uh, gave his algorithm and he said the first thing he does when in the new year is that he blocks out all the dates and he pauses because he's a brilliant speaker. And he's like, that I'm going to do things with my family. He, he blocks out, you, you thought he was going to say he blocked out like all of his most important seminars or his most important speaking engagements. No, he blocked out all the stuff that he does with his family so that he can't book over it because those are the most important things. And he goes, then there's priorities um, that are scaled. And then he fills out his, his yearly calendar. I'm like, all right, that's, that's interesting because that's an algorithm and I'm a machine. Like I don't, I think in, in very logical mechanical terms, which can be very painful sometimes because the world is not logical and mechanical. So <laughs> it's not as black I, uh, and white out there. So now you have, uh, you have this algorithm I love it. and you have want nothing and need nothing. Okay. So I started to, to think of, you know, when I, when I click, when, when I had some things socially click over for me, I felt like, remember I said I didn't, I, it was the first time I didn't need to be in the NBA. I didn't need to have this amazing job. So I put need at the top of the column. Because remember, like, I need nothing. I need nothing. Then in the second column, I put want, because like, if you want nothing, you'll be good. And then in the third column, I didn't have anything at that point. And it turns out that the top of the third column is nice to have. Okay? So now above the word need is 100. And I have a PowerPoint. And if you want to, it's just a slide. It's nothing you know, miraculous. But I give it to people and they can you know, type it in. 100 goes over the word need. 51 goes over the word want. And one goes over uh, the words nice to have. So now we need some definitions. If, if something you need, life will be dramatically different in 7, 14, 21, or 30 days. So that sounds a little bit about financial, but it's also about family. You know, it's about like if you mm -hmm. lost a, a family member, your life is dramatically different immediately. That's what a need is. If, if, it, if this thing is not in your possession, life is dramatically different in these very, very crucial time periods. Something that you want it may have the same amount of desire as a loved one, but it's not that important. It's something that, that is so crucial to who you are, but if, if, if it wasn't there, life would not be over. Sounds like power play time for me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Like if you're okay, you know, you you, you, you could put it, we could, we could do it. We could workshop it like that. If, uh, when we'll, we're have through. To, we'll have to set that up. Yeah. Uh, I'd the, love you to the, walk me through. So, so if, if you want something, it's very, very important to you, but life isn't over. Here's the thing. If you want it, it cannot be replaced with anything else. It is so special to you. It won't, it won't, it, it won't dramatically change your life, but it cannot be replaced with something else. I can, uh, for people that are familiar with me, because I'm very, uh, um, yeah, my, my juvenile uh, uh, behaviors, those two things, I can tell, we already talked about them. One is Disney, and one is wrestling. If I never see wrestling again, if I never go to Disney again, it's no big deal. Like, my life will be fine. But there is nothing in my, in my life that I can think of that if I, I could 
replace that with of what 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 the enjoyment and what the release etc that those two things bring for me now you have nice to have the one column the nice to haves you it is just as intense as you desire this thing or this relationship or whatever it is except these can be replaced with something else okay the need is no, you must, it, it, 100%, you have to have a need. The, in your have column, it, can be re, it cannot be replaced with something else, but your life's not over. Nice to, ha, uh, nice to have is, uh, uh, it, 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 it can be replaced with something else, and your life's not over. So I, every day, like I have a whiteboard, and a lot of people that follow this, or they keep it on their computer, Every day you look at these lists and you, you write down what you think should fall into these different columns, because I'm going to suggest that you can get to a good place. You can get, oh, I'm sorry, you can get closer to a good place. I don't think anybody can ever get there. I'm not there. You, ha you, you need 100% of your need column. If you don't have 100% of everything that's in that column, you got no shot, no shot. 51% proverbial of, of, of all the things in the, in the second column and 1% of the third column. And now it's a hell of a lot easier to need less things. So if you don't need a lot, it's easier to get 100%. If you don't want a lot, it's easier to get 51%. And it's easy to get 1% of anything. And now you go back to that conversation I had uh, with my friend about the interview where the goal is to grow through life and take things in the need column and put them into wants. Take things in your want column and put them into nice to have. And life changes and it might flip flop and you go through bad times because you're not in possession of all your needs. You're not in possession of 51% of your wants. It's, it, most people have, you know, based on these definitions, most people have way more than 1% of their nice-to-haves because they're not there yet in appreciating what is the most important things in their life. And, and that, and again, I can only tell you my opinion that the only way to get there is by failure. But now, just do it. Like, it, it, it's, it's uh, a lot of folks that have tried this find that it's very, very helpful. Now, you can put different words. I don't care. You can put different numbers. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not selling it like for money, but I'm, I'm trying to just sell it and put it out there as something that I think can help people. But if you don't have everything in that first list, you got no shot. And think about it. Like if you don't have enough money to pay rent, like your life is effed. You know, and if you have nothing that you enjoy, you're, you're, you're not there. You're, you're missing something. You're incomplete. To be complete, you need 151 and one. And, and I think if you can shift things, and find things that you used to really need. Man, I cannot live without this thing. Well, maybe now you can live without it. It's easier to achieve 151 and 1. And um, that's, that's a, it was those two stories that, that kind of put that in my head. And like, if you don't need a lot of things, I started traveling, living in all these different places. What do I, I mean, internet, you know, a gym, like, you don't need a lot. I didn't need to make a lot of money because I was single and things were cool. Like, you know, they, you start to look back and like, wow, like some of the best times is because you didn't, you, you just, you, you lived a simple life, but there's a way to simplify your life, but no simpler because you 
if there's a lot of things that that, that you need for recreation uh, or for you know things that that are important to you, then you got to work for them and and make sure they're there. And and then a kid comes and everything probably changes and and uh, you know or or a, or a major catastrophe happens, you lose your job or whatever, everything changes. So this is always in flux, but it, I think it can ground you into uh, really reorganizing the priorities that, that can fulfill you. I don't like the word happiness. I actually use the word safety. If you're safe, you, you, you can be happy. Uh, safe is, in, and that comes out of a book called uh, Say Anything uh, by, by an author named Crandall, C-R-A-N-D-A-L-L where uh, the, the goal is not to be happy. The goal is to be safe because uh, happy can be fleeting. You don't ever want to lose safety. You always want to be safe. So that I use that word instead of, instead of happy. So. Yeah. I, you know, I really appreciate that formula for, you know, like conscious um, reframing. We're sold a lot as consumers where attention is everywhere in the modern day, whether it's on our phone or, you know, whatever's on TV. And I think, you know, in my life, um, discipline has been a great source of freedom. You know, when I, if I do not schedule ahead, very similar to the talk you're uh, speaking about, where if I am not, like the, what is important to me has to be in my calendar. Like what, you can tell what's important to somebody based on what they're spending money on and what they're spending time on. Like show me your calendar and show me your bank account. And, you know, for me, as long as I am... Uh, you know, conscious about how I want to live my life. And I think I'm at a point now, I'm 26. Uh, I've been married for a couple of years. We have a dog. You know, I'm, I'm trying to um, ascend in the NHL. There, there's this big goal here. Uh, I definitely put that in the, the want category. Like, I don't, I don't think I'll, I'll die if I leave the NHL, but it certainly is something that, you know, is so in the forefront. Uh, it's a big carrot that I get up every day and, and, and try and chase. Um, you know, but I, I think it's interesting we were talking about safety because I was just listening. I just had uh, Dr. Stephanie Esteem on. She's a functional chiro out of uh, Toronto. She's got this awesome podcast, Better. It's more so, um, you know, her audience is, is more women, uh, but she was having this podcast with Jennifer Kalari, who's like a parenting expert. Well, something I like to do is try to go into spaces that I know nothing about. I don't have kids. So I was trying to listen to this, you know, parenting mm -hmm. expert about some things that I can learn about just in my day to day. And she, she had this comment, Jennifer did, about how there's really, in her opinion, uh, uh, she has a psychology degree and was a, you know, social worker for a long time. There's fear and there's love as a person. Um, and that's, I think it's interesting how you created, you, you use this word safety instead of happiness. When I worked with you, um, you know, just in a professional setting, I felt you were trying to help me do what I love and prevent any fear of getting injured. Like you were both a pain preventer and a dream facilitator. So it's interesting mm -hmm. to hear your backstory and how you orchestrate both your personal life. And I wanted to get into Disney and wrestling and some of the more fun stuff. Cause you know, I, our relationship started with, um, you know, our, our obsession for high performance and our, you were going to help me along with that goal. And I was excited to work with you. But you know, as I've gotten to know you a little bit, like it, I'm very interested in your, uh, continuing well-roundedness as a person. You were, uh, you were talking about like an emotional parachute. That's something that earlier in my life, and I'm only 26, so I'm, I'm going to cut myself some slack, but um, I'm not sure I always had that. I'm not sure I always built like 
a strong emotional base where um, I was really conscientious about my need, want, and nice to have. I think there were a lot of times in my life where I felt like everything was in the need. <laughs> yeah. and I, and I, no, that's and, the whole was, idea. Yeah, that's the whole idea where the, the, this, this, this endeavor, this chase is to move things to the right on the, on the, on the, on the whiteboard. You always want to move over to the right. Like that's because uh, again, it's easier to get a hundred percent of less things. And, and, and the other thing, Connor is, is uh, there'll be times where you have the parachute and then you lose it yeah. because things are just not always in our control, no matter how mechanically oriented we are. It's, it's not possible. I, I just told you, I, I, I figure it. I remember uh, KJ came downstairs once and he told me like he was telling GM that like Charlie's going to be the, the Charlie's going to be the next great young strength coach in the NBA. Like, like I got dubbed, you know, like uh, with a sword on my shoulder, did everything we're supposed to do and, and still didn't, didn't get back. And, and I didn't have that emotional parachute then. And now I do. And maybe next year I won't have it again because something happens that, that really challenges my needs. So it's okay to, to go up and down. It's just that if you, if you know, that's why you got to look at it all the time. Because I do think the needs, wants, and nice-to-haves will change. Because uh, life events, whether they're good or bad, uh, well, nothing's bad, but, but uh, you know, desirable. Or, failure, yeah. yeah, yeah, desirable or temporarily undesirable. Uh, they, they, uh, they, they, they motivate you to change, you know, maybe... Maybe it, you went from 151 and one, something really, really good happened, and you're not there anymore because, you know, financially, this new addition to the family, uh, you know, we didn't budget, you know, properly, you know, for to provide in the way that, that we want to. And, uh, you know, I think about that because, you know, uh, it's not on the way, but, but uh, it, it's, 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 it's a big discussion and we don't have a whole lot of, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but uh, um, that's... Uh, yeah, like it'll it'll go up and down. So the th the thing that you're 26, that now I will say, the sooner, if, if you're a pragmatic person, and I know you enough to say that you probably are, uh, and being pragmatic doesn't mean you're not emotional. It, it it means like the sooner you can put this stuff into play. Like I knew what I wanted to do. I had no idea I'd be doing what I'm doing now. But at an early age, I knew exactly where I wanted to be. I'll tell you right now, it was University of Virginia, like because I had the, the best PhD program in athletic training. Like I knew. Now, not everybody at a certain age knows where they want to go. But if you don't know where you're going, you can't plot out the best map. Uh, you, you know, your Google navigation doesn't work unless you put an address in there. So the more specific and the more uh, proper you can be with that 151 in one document or whiteboard, the the better, the, 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 the better, like, it's your coach. It's your, it's your reminder. It's, 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 it's a beautiful useful. framework. What, what's in your need? What's in your need column right now? Uh, I grew up on the, on the East coast and, and when you grow up on the East coast and you have a, a family of Eastern European background, money is a big deal. And um, usually if you grow up on the East coast and, and, you know, I'm older than you, but relatively similar generation it is, uh, you, you know, people that lived through war, uh, and you know, people that live, maybe even lived through the depression. P 
people look at money when you have that that ethnic you know your your grandparents like they, that lived through these periods of time money is is something very uh it, it's not it's and and for people that know me you know i'm very very lucky like i don't have to pay for a lot of these clothes you know i, I uh, um and, and i don't dress like real special i have a i have a twenty two thousand dollar car i spend a lot of money on disney uh but but <laughs> i love it i love it uh, um, i love that you're this big bad like 800 pound squad and do with usually with a mohawk you know uh yeah, I, still I was got joking. It. We I were trying to it. schedule. Yeah, that's awesome. But but uh, money is on the checklist. It's like if if your mom or your grandmother would be telling their friends when they're they're gossiping that oh my my son is so successful he makes this much money you know like that's kind of that that's that's a very East Coast thing when you come from these Eastern European backgrounds these these were the immigrants these are people that had no money so you get brought up. So, so I'm not okay if anybody says I'm cheap. Okay, I, I, I don't. I'm not cheap at all. <laughs> like, um, there. Look, I, I don't know what you're looking at behind me, but some of those little toys cost a lot of money. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but, but there's in my need column. Like, I feel safe when you know a car needs new brakes and it's no big deal, or, or we're at a time like this where my revenue is significantly changed. Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be cool. That's in my that's in my need um, to be able to to provide not not only financial but to provide everything that that I need to provide for for my wife and my parents. That is a need. My life will be if if I feel like I am letting them down or if I feel like I cannot deliver something that 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 is reasonable of any type. I'm I'm messed up. I'm 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 jacked up. I I, I have I don't feel safe that way. Um, those, those two things are the most important. Obviously, uh, if, and when we have a child that will then, you know, uh, have, cause then, then the, then those things will change. Cause then, you know, you add a person, you know, into, into what yeah. you need to, to, to give and, and those things. So I, I've also been very, very coached as a business person since leaving, uh, the Marine Corps that like, we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about money. Like, I, I feel like I'm trying to audit myself. Like, am I talking too much about money? Well, now you see why. Because it is so, it is very, very important to me. Not because I want to buy the, you know, 80, 85% of my Nike clothes, I would never pay that much for. You know, it, it, but, uh, and I got, I still got like six or seven in, it's still in the box. I would never pay you know, 220 for a pair of Nikes. I'd go figure out where the, where the outlet store is and, get as many size sevens and seven and a halves that they have for 60 bucks or under. Um, so, uh, but yeah, th those are in my needs. My, my wants, I mentioned Disney and, and, and wrestling, and there's obviously other things nice to haves, you know, like a, a, a really big time house. Like I, I'm not a home. I, I want to be able to go into my backyard and feel like I'm not in my house anymore. Uh, I, I had a house like that in New Jersey, you know, but, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't all that, but uh, um, a uh, a Resvani tank. Uh, I don't know if any of your boys have one of those yet. That's a, that's a four hundred thousand dollar SUV. I'm pretty no. sure that can. I'm pretty I sure you that were can literally be, saying you want a tank outside in your backyard. I'm like, dude. No, nah, so so here, like, they're, uh, I'm sure their 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 Instagram is about to get a whole bunch of followers. <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous. Now the the four hundred thousand dollar model has a smoke screen and an oil slick and it's bulletproof to no end. I'm not sure I need that model, but uh, 
Now, look, when I, a lot of times when I work for players in pro sport, part of the deal, uh, I know one, one, one of my uh, uh, most successful guys, uh, part of our deal is like, yeah, like, you, you know, you come in, you get your key into the house, uh, take whatever car you want, you break it, you buy it. So uh, um, I try to stay like $200,000 and below. <laughs> so I don't, I don't drive. Oh, but uh, that's, awesome. that's uh, you know, the, the, the nice to haves is like all sorts of stuff. You know, it'd be, it'd be nice to, to, um, to not, you know, only work when you want to rather than, than have to motivate for these, these other things. So, uh, but the, you know, the, the, the and, and if you guys want to want to post like a download, I'll just give it to you. It's not like I, it's fine because the other thing, too, is like when if you use the PowerPoint or if you do the whiteboard, I'd ask you to use certain colors. And it says it in the PowerPoint. What color? Mm-hmm. Not, I can't tell you what color. Um, but remember, you want the need list to be as small as possible. Right. You want because if you don't have a lot of things, it's easier to get to 100. You use the color you hate. Like what is what is your most hated color? You know, we joke around if we talk about this at a seminar, like, all right, burnt sienna from the old Crayola box or whatever. Uh, because if it's if it's an ugly color, you don't want to look at it and you'll be mentally, uh, psychologically driven to get rid of those things. Because in the in the middle column is your favorite color, your favorite color, because you want it to be there. And the last column is not your favorite color, but a color that you kind of like. Uh, so that you're psychologically motivated to 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 fill them prop, prop, properly. So I'll, I'll email that to you guys uh, yeah, when, when we're through. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to yeah. check that out. Yeah, yeah, money is one of those weird things. I've spent uh, an interesting amount of time thinking about it. You know, I, I guess as a young athlete, kind of came into money, wasn't supposed to sign with as a Washington Capital, ended up with a contract like, you know, three or four days prior to the regular season. Um, and now I guess as a professional athlete, I feel like this, when I was a kid, I always had this uh, perspective. I was always training towards something that was five, 10 years down the road. I wanted to make the team USA national team development program. And then I want to get drafted. And then I wanted to play in the NHL. Um, you know, but now my focus is more on the day to day. It just because that's how you stay in the league for 10 years is you just worry about tomorrow. You just play well tomorrow. And then after that, you'll, you'll figure it out. And we've been on this uh, weird, you know, quarantine with uh, COVID and the NHL is totally on, on pause. It's been this interesting thing that, you know, I've tried to uh, think about. I, I'm, you know, fortunate enough, I have another year on my deal, you know, so I'll be uh, cool through uh, next year. But it is something that, you know, from time to time, just from a personal security standpoint, like I know I have a mortgage in Chicago, so I owe somebody money for 20 years and I don't have an, a source of income that I know yeah, of for the yeah. next 20 years. So it's been, I've kind of tried to treat this from a personal standpoint as an opportunity to bulletproof myself in a way that, um, you know, what do I want to do uh, after my career? What, what if this were to go on forever? Who's to say there's not a, uh, you know, a secondary outbreak or whatever. Now I'm, I'm, you know, imagining a little bit, but it's been in that chaos has been very growthful for me. Like I've been able to, um, try and really consider some stresses, really consider some dreams, uh, moving forward and trying to, you know, think out ahead, um, and how to, you know, plan my life. Cause I, I had such clarity for so long. Like I, I, that's how I introduced myself in eighth grade. I stood up, I was in this, you know, special math class, this advanced math class with Mrs. Bennett, 
she's, she'll, she's actually reminded me of the story. I've seen her and her son around the gym that I train at out of Chicago. And she'll remind me every time I see her, remember what you said in eighth grade? And I said, uh, I stood up, I said, hi everyone, I'm Connor. Uh, I have two younger brothers. Their names are Blake and Hunter. Um, I am going to play for Team USA someday, uh, get a scholarship to Michigan, and I'm, I'm going to play in the NHL. And I sat down. And now, you know, as an athlete, you know it, you died as an athlete. You kind of have two funerals in your lifetime. Um, you know, th- that day eventually will come. And I just don't like knowing there's a test coming that I'm not prepared for. Mm. So I'm, I'm in this weird space where how can I you know how intense the pro athlete career is. Like it's, it's a 24 hour job. It's a, you know, 365 day, you know, um, you're on, you're on the job. And I, uh, you know, I'm trying to balance. How can I focus wholeheartedly and leave nothing on the table? Very much like that Jordan-esque, you know, mentality. You think Jordan was thinking about a podcast when he was playing, you know, but yeah, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. kind of been the, always the old school, you know, uh, sport mentality with great success and for, you know, good reason, I think, but it's been an interesting, you know, thought experiment of, okay, what can I, what skills can I continue to acquire? What value can I bring to the world that would, you know, uh, allow for financial security down the road that's outside of the sport of hockey? Maybe a coach, maybe you manage fine that those would be things I'm sure at the time, you know, down the road, I, I may or may not be very excited about, but what if I'm not, I want to have some, concept yeah, of options. Yeah. You know, I don't think you always yeah. figure out plan B. Like I'm not totally like a plan B guy. I'm more so always focused on trying how to make plan A work. Um, but at least like trying to dream up like plan A yeah. two, you know, I'd love, I'd love to be able to say that plan A doesn't become plan B because plan A, especially if it's unexpected that plan A doesn't work anymore, then it becomes B, C, D, and E, and that goes back to the failure piece. And and uh, in 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 cases like like yours, man, you 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 uh, if it, the, the 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 easier you can establish your version with your words of hundred fifty one and one, you'll start to see. I think that, that that you won't be as anxious. You can think about it, but you won't be be anxious. And I'll be anxious for you because that's, that's, that's who I am. But, but, um, you know, I mean, it, 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 I, it's like, you don't know what it is. Okay. It's easy to say, all right, be smart, invest, you know, don't, don't buy jewelry, you know, or whatever, you know, where, where we see this in, in a lot of situations of any, anybody who comes into money, not, not just mm-hmm. sports. Mm-hmm. But again, if you, if you, you know, like a lot of times, um, and we do this, all of this really comes out of Canada basketball where, Sam and I mentor, you know, these, our staff. And I'm like, what? The, the further out you can see is, is like plugging in the, the, the address into Google Maps. So when, when you're all done and you're, and you're 65, like, what do you want to do? Like, literally, where do you want to live? How many children do you think you want? You can, and you can always change it. Like you, but if you say it now, you can plot the direction. Uh, and then whatever bounty of, of blessings or resources you have at the moment, you can partition those resources to get to that place. And like, where do you want to live? How, how many houses do you want? You know, how many, do you want to travel? Um, you know, what do you do? You, I, I know I remember when I had one of these conversations with a mentor 
I said, uh, I want to be one of those parents that's there every Saturday in the big house watching my kid play linebacker with that sweatshirt on. Like that, that sweatshirt you can only get, you know, at that, at that university. And well, not only does that cost money, it, it, it costs resources like planning and, and like, do I really want to have a camper like them? No, I don't want a camper. I, I'll, I'll get there some other way. But I think the sooner you, anyone can focus, just like when, you know, like, I, you don't have to tell me as an athlete when, when, I, when, when you come to work with me on the first day, you don't have to tell me these specifics, but I know, you know, enough about sport that, okay, this person, here's, here's our gaps, and this is the space that we're going to look at, and we fill them in. Like, we just fill in those gaps because I believe if those gaps were, were, were missing and they were not there, then you'd be a more elite level player or be who you are more often. So that's our, that's, that's the address. That's what you type in. Like, okay, well, I think if Connor's hip does this, he can be uh, uh, some version of more desirable athlete. So the sooner we can come to that, 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 that address that you plug in, it, it becomes a much more uh, simple process. Simple isn't always easy, but it's simple. And that's, uh, that's like, the, the, what do you want to do when you're 55? What do you want to do when you're 60? You know, when you talk about people have a five-year plan, 10-year plan, like, just do it. The cool part is, like, you can just rip it up tomorrow if, if things change. Uh, and, they, and, and that's, um, I, think, I think that's part of, part of how I feel about that type of functional. Because if you put the word functional in front of something, it makes it positive. Functional anxiety. And, and <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, fuck. Works Functional. for you. Works for you yeah. instead of against you. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, here we we gotta hit it. But you. What we, so we covered. We covered. You're clearly. Um, and I know this from personal experience, but I'm trying to share this with the audience. Like, you are a um, great elite physical therapist. We'll go with that for simplicity's sake. It's a term. I'm, I'm going right. to sell I'm you right. short. <laughs> I'm going to sell you short. Forget. I don't me. suck. No, you're. Uh, I wrote down gap analyzer. Uh, I know yeah, it's a, yeah, I was listening yeah. to another podcast with Derek Hansen and Don Saladino that you were on. You, I think that was, you know, bang on. Um, you're a Rubik's cuber. You want to, you want to find, you know, yeah. uh, what's going on in the sport performance realm. Uh, you're very good at that. Um, as a consultant, I, I, you're definitely a man of uh, tremendous value. And that's what, you know, we just talked about the last, you know, 40 minutes or whatever. And that, that to me is the stuff that's, that was, you know, awesome to talk about, but I got to know the, where does the Disney and the wrestling fit into your life? And what, I mean, you lit up just now, All right, you know, you, you, uh, so you, so you spared me the powerlifting, uh, uh part. Cause people always yeah, want to talk yeah. about that. Um, all right. So Disney has two, two, uh, two components. One is, is, you know, the easy way. And the other one is, is more fits into this other stuff that we talked about. The easy part is like, there's very few places that you can go and just act like, what, however, like you can, you, you know, and, and I'm not talking about like getting drunk at a club and do it. Like, yeah, you can go yeah, to yeah. Disney and like nobody gets judged. You know, there's very little of the like legitimate safety issues. You know, like people just smile and wave and everybody's nice to a degree. And you have it's just you get to act like a kid. And and, and I don't get judged because because now I've kind of made that my gimmick. And 
by having big shoulders, you kind of get away with it too. But, uh, you know, I, I'm very juvenile and I'm silly and, 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 some people think I'm funny. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> see, look, 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 you laugh. So I must be funny. You got one. At Di- Blind at squirrel. Disney, yeah. At, at Disney, um, you, you can, you can be like that and nobody cares. And it's like, that's, that's how you're supposed to act. You can make funny faces, uh, at the camera and the roller coaster and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So that's the one everybody would cut. Oh, okay. I get it. Here's the other one. I have studied and I, and I learned, I first started to see this years ago. I think it's actually still on Netflix. Look up Masters of the Universe, like as in He-Man. Okay, He-Man is the cartoon, the toy from the 80s. And, and what, they're, what, what it's really about is adults like me that collect toys. And, and like, so you see how that, that kind of segues from Disney. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of Disney stuff behind me, and some of it is really cool um, to me. And they, they talked about like the, the essence of hobbies. So, like, that's my hobby. Disney is my hobby. Well, what is a hobby? Like, you collect things. Well, yes, I collect mugs and I have some things. But, like, at Disney, you collect experiences. Like, the way for Disney parks, it's not just the movies. So, there are so many different things that you can do and, and go to and eat. And of those things, some are only available at this place. Some is only available, like... You know, the, the special Valentine's Day cupcake that you can only get from February 10th till February 20th. And you collect these experiences. And then you have the opportunity to talk to other people in this incredibly safe environment. Because that's what a hobby is. Like, y'all collect cars. You know, so why do you collect cars? So you can talk to other people about your 1957, you know, hot rod car. Like, you know, it, 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 so it has this one thing that makes you, you enjoy it to begin with. And, and so, like, it, 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 it's a, and like, you, I, I'll say, because of course, a lot of people, it's very, and it's not unfair. They just never been to, to Disney. They don't get it, uh, which is okay. You don't have to get it because it's not that important. But they're like, yeah, like, why do you, Disney's for kids. Like, okay, that, that's ridiculous. Like, there's many, many things to do there that are for adults. But once you, the, if the person's really not a, not a piece of garbage and they're trying to hurt you, they just don't get it. If you try to explain to them about collecting experiences, like, oh, wow. Never really thought of it. It's uh, you know, it, it's it's about it's collecting experiences. That that's the hobby. Um, because there's so like I, I'm not sure it'll be possible because Disney always changes. So like you have to get on that ride one more time before it goes down, or that restaurant's closing, so you have to eat there one more time. Or have you ever had that ice cream sandwich at that place? And those types of conversations for me because. It makes me feel good because I can act the way I want to act. And not everybody is juvenile. Like, it's fine. Like, they're like, dude, I'm, that's, that's not me. I, I know that's why you don't like it. And I do. That's we're allowed to. We can talk about a different topic. So those are the two things. It, it's easy to understand that you get to act the way you want to act. But it's also about like the essence of a hobby. But, but we're collecting experiences not collecting like these tangible things like you see behind me. <laughs> I, I love that because it's. You've, it's, it seems that your love for Disney is you're engaging in this infinite game. There is no end. There is no checking right, right. the Disney box. And you also professionally are trying to solve the human body. And it's like it, another yeah, infinite game. Similar. So it's, it's, that's pretty cool to, you know, I, I, I hope, I hope this podcast elevates helps elevate you to some point, gets you in front of somebody. And you're, I mean, I don't, you don't need me. You're, you're, 
your brand is, is you are who you are and I know how special you are, but, but Disney should pay you as an adult consultant, right? Cause you don't have to sell Disney to kids. Right. And, 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 and kids aren't the ones, you know, booking the trips. So the, at the end of the day, it's not, you know, 12 year old Jimmy's uh, credit card, you know, booking the Disney trip, but parents, I don't know, like, I think it's cool talking with, um, you know, someone like you at your age where like physically, you know, you're a monster, you know, uh, you're, you're in, in great shape. You're in great health. Uh, you and your Ali, I follow both on like Instagram and that you eat very healthy. I'm going to talk to her about this special cupcake. Cause I, I'm, I'm not sure that's no, no, on the macros, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that's a whole nother topic about, uh, I, I go off, uh, the diet a little bit at Disney and she doesn't do it. And I'm like, it makes me mad because she don't she, she doesn't enjoy like, like you can enjoy food once in a while. They really should pay you because that's like I maybe I'm an easy sell, but like that's why they're doing I okay. That, that they're doing I, okay. Yeah, I think. that's a good point. I don't think they're yeah. you know really looking for for yeah. That's a good point. That's kind of why I'm in like coffee so much. Was like you know when the sommelier? I don't know if you're a wine drink, but the sommelier comes over. I know what it a, is. Yeah. You know at a, at a at a you know fancy schmancy you know restaurant yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. and they tell you all about this wine. This wine, you know the this is the vineyard, and this is how old it is, and it came from here, and this is why it's going to taste like this because it, it there were these roots that you know were next door, and there was this farm, and it was at this altitude, and I'm like. I don't care what you're selling me at this point. I want it. I love the story. <laughs> and so for me, coffee is like the, it's got the same story as wine and it's like cheaper and you can drink it as an athlete all the time. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't wake yeah, up at 8 a.m. before practicing. You yeah, know, so I, I love uh, a good story and I love being, you know, sold. So it's, it's interesting. I, I'd love hearing, I love hearing about why you're excited about Disney. It's awesome. Like if it, if it was like a, if it was like a coffee festival or a wine, like it, it, it did happen at a wine festival. You just go up to the booth and they give you like a sample or whatever and be like, all right, come on. What do you got? D d give me your, give me your spiel. Go. And then go. <laughs> I love being sold. I love the spiel. I love the placebo. Yeah. Don't take, don't, yeah. don't g not give me that. That's awesome. Right, except, except when it comes to wine, I don't really care. <laughs> well, that I'll probably I'll just drink with, it. With I'll just yeah, drink exactly. That's awesome. And then you want to hear about, you want to hear about wrestling. So uh, hear about wrestling. I, I don't remember what got me into it. I mean, look, if you're seven, eight years old and you see these like gigantic superheroes and they all had characters. Yeah. Like, I don't remember, you know, like, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, just like Disney people look at wrestling very juvenile, but then, then like it became very simple. It became something I looked forward to every week or like the pay-per-view is every month. And I, you know, you've alluded to, you know, I, I worked in some cool places and, 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 and um, actually the biggest regret of my life is not trying to become a professional wrestler. You know, I was my life was being competed with, you know, being in the NBA and 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 etc. But I but I went to I went to PT school with um with uh, uh, a, a a WWE guy. His name his real name is Chris Ford. If anybody follow wrestling, he he got he got okay. You know, he was his his main characters was a character named Devin Storm, and uh, and also uh, Crowbar. And he did well for a little bit, you know, probably made some real money uh, for a couple years when wrestling was really at its peak in the in the 2K. So uh, he brought me to where he trained um, and brought me into the office. And I was like, it was five thousand dollars. And the guy who ran the and like I probably could have gotten five thousand dollars from my parents and, and I could have really tried it. I remember even talking about it because at that time there was a lot of dudes my height 
that were becoming like big stars, like Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and and, and others. And uh, 100%, the great, the biggest uh, uh, regret of not trying to do it. Like right now, I work, I work with you know several uh, WWE guys that you would know and and etc. Um, um, and others will say like you could walk on to Monday night uh, and 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 run the run run the mic like you could yeah you could talk in front of eighteen thousand people and get a and, and do what we do like you don't uh, the first public speaking course I ever went to they that you had to say in front of everybody like why you were there I said well I do a lot of seminars I speak a lot uh, but it, but the, really the only preparation to become a public speaker was being a wrestling fan for 25 years and they were like well you know what you kind of got the stage presence down pretty good the thing is is that if i had become a rest uh, uh if i tried to become a professional wrestler at that time which is probably similar odds to becoming a professional athlete very very low I- i'm not sure i would have developed the confidence and the speaking skills that i have now so uh even though i might look the part you know at the moment uh, i'm not i'm pretty sure i would not be able to to go through um, uh, a lifestyle of 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 those types of uh, athletic endeavors day in and day out, but um, so so I it, it's always just been something that has been part of my calendar. Like like I have to build around my Monday, so I I'm a free. Or if I can't watch <laughs> it, I have to re- I have to record it and like okay, when will I watch it? Because you have to watch it before the next one. And if you can't watch the next one, you're basically gonna have to do like a a binge of all these things to catch up of what's happening. Now, yeah, the, and 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 the coolest thing was when I met when I met Shane McMahon for the first time. Um, he was very flattering because maybe my arms looked big at the time. And I said, "Listen, man, I'll probably never meet your dad, but I got to tell you something. If I ever met your dad, I'd give him two words." And he's like, "Oh, you're gonna say something, you know, crazy." And and I'm like, "Thank you, thank you for giving me something every week to look forward to." And Shane was like. Uh, I hadn't, that's never what I thought you were going to say. I'm like, I know what you thought I was going to say. And that's why I phrased it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because that's that's a very famous wrestling uh, uh, catchphrase. And that's all it is. It's something to look forward to. And and, and for so many years, if I didn't have it, it would feel different. I I know my life wouldn't be over. And very often wrestling sucks. It's not a fun thing to watch. (laughs) Like maybe, you know, it goes, uh, wrestling is like this, this pendulum. It goes and runs. But that's uh, that. It's just something to look forward to, and I think we all need that. We all need something. Now, just because uh, somebody doesn't like the same thing I like, that's that's fine. But uh, you need a hobby. You need something to look forward to. That's that's Disney and wrestling. How about that? It's awesome. It's awesome, man. This is uh, yeah. this was great. This was. We um, have to. We're gonna have to do it in two parts. We will. We will. And we <laughs> can. And we can. We'll have to have you back I on. Talk, and I talk is, too much. No, no. I mean, come on. If I, if I got to pull teeth, um, you know, it makes for a very demanding you yeah. know, podcast. And I've actually had some friends do that on me. I've had some friends and, and, you know, teammates where I think they are, you know, great, great campfire storytellers, great, you know, uh, people to talk with. And all of a sudden I, it's this, this stiffens them up, you know, in pro sport. Oh, all of a sudden uh, you throw this in front of them and they, no, they you know, it, it, and we talked about this because I've probably been, you know, relatively of interest, you know, for, for podcasts in my profession. And, and you know, we're kind of straddling multiple uh, professions here. Uh, but it, it, it's the, the best podcast for me now are the ones where I don't necessarily talk about 
clinical like things. And that's why I was looking forward to this one. And, and, and I don't not like the other ones, especially if the questions become interesting. Uh, but a lot of times it, it, it's, I've done that podcast before because the questions are really meant to highlight the messages that I already have. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm saying a lot of the same things. So I was excited to see where these things were going to go. And I've also, as the years have gone on, I'm much more comfortable talking about my failures and, and some of the things that maybe uh, answer you know, the why of, yeah. of, of where, where I'm at today. But the, uh, I, can't, I can't squat that much anymore. I'm done, man. I'm no one's going to make you. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to. You know? I'm good. I'm good. You do it once. You get to say it. But Charlie, yeah. where can, if people do want more clinical information or, or just want to learn more about you, contact you for yeah. training, treatment, how can they find you? I know you're active on Instagram. Yeah, the, the, the website is charlieweingroff.com and, and that aggregates all the social media. Uh, Instagram is chweingroff. Uh, Twitter is cwagon75. And um, as of now, you know, uh, uh, um, we're in uh, Drive 495. And when I say that, it's, it's because you know, I, I might be moving to Florida very soon. Uh, Drive 495 in Soho, and then I also have offices in Central Connecticut and in Mamaroneck, which is in Westchester County. And uh, I'm on a plane a lot. Haven't been on a plane in a long time, but uh, I'm available. That's that's what I do. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm for hire. If you need any um, gap analysis, yeah. But uh, a lot. Of, it's cool. Like a lot of people, it, it, they they do. It is it is very flattering that people will travel from far. But New York is obviously a draw where you can check other boxes, mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know other than than your healthcare and. You know, working with the, the the surgeons that I'm very very close with at HSS, um, you know, a lot of people we you you kind of get a jump the line card uh, when you work with me or one of those surgeons, and people come in and they get they get a, a an experience for several you know several days between what the surgeon can do from a diagnostic level and then what we can do from a, from a physical therapy level. So, um, but yeah, the I'm sure my Twitter will be very interesting where uh, you know. I, one 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 tweet will be something that uh, people are like, "What the hell is he talking about?" And then the next one will be uh, a picture of me and Optimus Prime from Universal. So. <laughs> you're 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 allowed to be that well rounded, right? Like you're both you're allowed to be professional and passionate about other stuff. You know, it's, it's my my business mentor is like, you know, for for what you charge, if somebody looks you up, you think they're going to give you that amount of money? Uh, if they look up and see all your stupid Disney pictures, and I'm like, five six years later. Seems to be working out. <laughs> I love that. Do it your own way, man. That's awesome. Well, this was uh, this was awesome. Thanks, Charlie. I, I really uh, really appreciate your time and all right. Um, all the best, man. Stay healthy out there. And if you do move to Florida, all the best with that. You know, I know you and Allie had to uh, you know postpone the wedding, so I hope you guys are doing a cool there and you know getting excited yeah. about uh, when that's coming up. But thanks, man. Thanks for your time. Cool, man. You're the man. Thank you to everyone for joining us here today on the Curious Competitor podcast. Uh, Charlie can tell a story. I always love uh, talking to him. Uh, but today in particular, I thought when he talked about the 151 and one uh, sort of formula for how he uh, uses this framework for his life and how he determines what he values in his life and, and kind of uses some Eastern uh, thought there. Uh, you know, when he was talking about, you know, how Zen played a role in, in the conversation with, you know, one of his mentors, 
I really appreciated that part because I didn't realize he was so calculated and conscientious about uh, these different areas of his life. He's he's clearly a, a really high-end professional, um, but he also is a very passionate person and well-rounded outside his his job, which admittedly you can see um, he has a, a deep obsession and, and deep knowledge for him. I also thought our time today with Charlie was awesome when he shared how he's used failure as a launch pad. He clearly talks about, you know, with great emotion, some of the career struggles and some of the ups and downs that he's gone through as a, as a healthcare provider uh, and in pro sport. And I think that, you know, given my background, I'm very sensitive to the volatility of pro sport. Um, and I thought he talked about his relationship with failure in a way that is something that I'm really going to try to, you know, download into my own life. And I, another thing I, I honestly didn't know about Charlie was just how much he loved Disney. And I love when he talked about being an experienced collector. I think, um, you know, in, in my own personal life, I have a tendency sometimes uh, to, to overwork and not make time for, you know, some of the very important things that, you know, Charlie was talking about, like wanting to be there. Uh, you know, for his kids someday on on Saturday on football night. You know, I think it's something that, you know, in my own life, you can never get uh, good enough at. And what it really struck to me was uh, the concept of balance. You know, I, I think achieving balance is this abstract, really difficult goal, but just knowing that it's out there and knowing what imbalance look like looks like uh, has been, you know, a great North Star for me. And, you know, I'm grateful that Charlie shared his experience with being an experienced collector. Uh, finally, um, if you're still with us, you know, thank you, uh, for listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you for continuing to support, please, uh, like subscribe, uh, leave a comment. I do try to read them. So I, I really appreciate your feedback, uh, and have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us.